0: I'm Pastor Richard Gamble and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org That's www.firstbastrop.org If you have your Bibles with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. Last week we finished up our devotions of a growing church but we're kind of continuing with that theme that last theme of evangelism as we look at Matthew chapter 4 today we'll be looking at verses 18 through 22 Matthew chapter 4 verses 18 through 22 this is the calling of the first four disciples and so we'll be considering that today if you don't have a Bible of your own, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there, and it's page five. Or excuse me, page 759 in the Pew Bible. 759 in the Pew Bible. And if you don't have a Bible of your own, we invite you to take that Pew Bible with you, and that's our gift to you. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word, so please take that and use it. It will certainly benefit you greatly. You know, we often identify by titles uh, because of me because of what I do for a living people call me pastor or preacher even at the gym they they don't know don't think know my name out there they just know me by preacher hey preach what's going on right it's by the title preacher uh, a lot of you have different titles there's doctors there's lawyers there's firemen policemen right there's all of these uh, t- titles by which we identify and so we're, we're used to that as followers of Jesus Christ we are called what Christians, Christians, that's the title that we typically, typically give those who follow Jesus. But you know what? Uh, that's not always been the case. In fact, when you begin to look at the, the New Testament, the word Christian is only used three times in the New Testament. And actually, in the first century, the term Christian was meant to be derogatory, right? It's meant to, it's meant to be offensive towards those who follow Jesus. The term that's most often used for followers of Jesus Christ in the New Testament is disciple. Disciple. It's it's used 281 times in the New Testament. So Christians in the Bible are known as disciples of Jesus Christ. And you see, and, and actually that title, that best fits what we are and who we are in our relationship to Jesus Christ. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are his disciples. And today we begin to, to look at that, and, and Jesus calls his first four disciples. And if we're going to understand what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we probably need a little bit of background. And so let me, let me give you kind of the historical background of a disciple and how that fits. You see, this was very common thing in th- the first century. We don't, we're not used to that term. We, we, kind of in the church, we, we hear that name thrown around. We talk about discipling people and being a disciple of Jesus. But I'll even wonder, do we really know what it means to be a disciple of Christ? See, we need to understand it in its original context. A disciple in the first century, discipleship was all part of their formal education system. Right? Their, their education system included discipleship. So their education, actually the Hebrews were highly educated, they, they valued education, and so all of them were educated. And so education for a Hebrew boy and girls, but especially Hebrew boys, uh, it began at the age of five. At the age of five, they would begin their formal education, and they would learn just the basics of, of education. They would learn the three R's, right? Writing, reading, and arithmetic. I've never understood why they call it the three R, But I guess there's R's in all three names. But it's writing, reading, and arithmetic. They learn writing, reading, and arithmetic. But they also learn the law. And in fact... That was the primary thing, right? That was the, the main focus in their education. So even as they learned to read, they learned to read the law. Even as they learned to write, they learned to write the law. They, they used the Mosaic Law, those first five books of the Bible, in their primary education. And so by the age of 10, all Hebrew boys and girls learned how to read, write, and do arithmetic, and they learned the Mosaic Law. They've they become pretty pretty versed in the old testament law now if you were really smart right if you graduated the top of your class at 10 years old then you would continue on in your religious education and you would go to master all of the old testament so all of the historical books all of the the writings of the prophets and so you would continue that education on if you were at the top of your class now if you weren't at the top of your class that was all right that was fine but then you got to go work to work with daddy right you went to work with daddy and you learned the family trade and that's where you were going if you weren't the best and the brightest now if you were the best and the brightest you continued on you mastered the old testament and then at about the age of 17 if you really wanted to make Religion, religious studies, a part of your career, your livelihood. Then you went and you sought out a teacher. You sought out a rabbi. You would find that man that, that you admired most. Like you really liked his teachings and you wanted to follow him. And you would pursue that rabbi. You would go after him. You would go to wherever he was. And the rabbis would usually, they would teach the best of the best would teach, of course, at the temple. Others might teach at some of the synagogues, but the very best taught at the temple. And so you would go wherever that teacher was that you wanted to, to follow. You would go and pursue him, and you would sit at his feet, and you would learn from him, and you would ask questions of him, and you'd really want to try to get his attention and show him how smart and how promising you were and if you were really promising, if he, he saw you and you said he thought, man, this, this guy, he's got it going on. If he saw that you were really promising, then he would invite you to become his disciple and you would follow him from place to place and you would do life with him and you would imitate him. The whole purpose of this is that you would become like your rabbi. You would become like him. And so you would be his disciple until you got smart enough and wise enough that you could kind of go out on your own and become a rabbi yourself and so that's how the whole idea of discipleship comes about disciples pursued their rabbis and then hoped that their rabbis would take notice of them and choose them to follow along with them and learn from them so that's how they became a disciple Well, it's in this context then that Jesus goes out and he chooses his first four disciples. And that's what we come to today. And as we we look at this text, here's what I want us to see today. I want us to see that a disciple of Jesus Christ follows Jesus and makes more disciples. A follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple of Jesus Christ, follows Jesus, and makes more disciples. And so we're going to look at this text, and we're going to see five characteristics then of Jesus' disciples that's going to point us to this central truth that I want us to understand. So if you found your place there in God's Word, Matthew chapter chapter 4, starting in verse 18, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy Word. Now hear the Word of the Lord. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, In the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and your inerrant word. And Lord, we just pray that you would write its eternal truth upon our hearts today, Lord. Let us see what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And let us then take that and pursue that and truly become disciples of Christ. Let us live that out to its fullest. Let us follow Jesus and let us make more disciples. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. And you may be seated. So as we begin to look at our text today, we see the first characteristic of a disciple of Jesus Christ is this. Disciples are chosen by Christ. Disciples are chosen by Christ. Now this is a radical thing when you you think of it in its context, right? When you think about the context of this verse, Jesus is the one who goes out and chooses his disciples, Right In the original context, in the first century, if you wanted to be someone's disciple, you didn't expect a rabbi to come find you. No, 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 you had to go to the rabbi first, right? You had to go pursue him. You had to show off your, your intelligence to him and hope that then he would return around and, and, and accept you as his disciple. But that's not the case with Jesus. That's not the case with Jesus. No, these guys are busy about their daily life. They're just going on with life. And Jesus comes and he seeks them. He pursues them and he calls them to be his disciples. He says, come and follow me. Jesus chooses his disciples. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's because Jesus pursued you. He sought you, and he made you his disciple. John 15, chapter, uh, chapter 15, verse 16 says this, You did not choose me, Jesus says, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Man, that's a wonderful truth that Jesus chose you. He pursued you. He sought you to make you his disciple. Now, I can remember as a kid on the playground, uh, you know, we always used to play kickball. That was our thing. We loved to play kickball. And, and so someone had the ball, and, and usually two people, two of the best players usually would, would kind of pair up, and, and they would begin to choose their teams, right? I'll take this one. I'll take that one. Now, I was never, and, and especially in, in elementary school, I was not the most athletic and so I was never the first person chosen. And I was just, I was the one that was sitting back there on the sideline. And I was like, please somebody, pick me, pick me, come on, pick me. Especially if there were, it was an odd number, because if it was, a, if you're, if it was an odd number, somebody was going to have to go sit down and, and watch on the sideline. You were, weren't going to get picked. And so I was hoping, oh, p- please, please pick me. Have you ever felt that way? But if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, Jesus chose you he picked you you were worthy in his sight he he loved you and he sought you he pursued you he chose you and not just that he chose to make a purpose for your life he gave you great purpose he chose you for a reason he chose you to do something that's what John says right that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide he chose you and he has a purpose for your life I don't care who you are I don't care how bad your past is I don't care how much sin you have committed in the past Jesus loves you and he pursued you and he made you his own even going to Calvary's cross to die on the cross for you, for your sins, to make you His, He chose you to follow Him. Even while you were chasing the world, even while you were living in utter sin, Jesus pursued you to make you His. Disciples of Jesus Christ are chosen by Christ. Second, disciples of Jesus Christ are not the best, but they're the willing. They're not the best, but they are the willing. Notice what the text says. He's going about there, and he comes to Simon and Peter, or Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew his brother, as they are casting net their nets into the sea, for they are what? They are fishermen. James and John, they're with their father in their boats. They're mending their nets. Why? Because they are fishermen. Now, why is that important? Why does does the text make a point to point out that these are fishermen? Because they're not the best. Right? right? Think about the whole education system. When they came to to be 10 years old, they weren't the, the best in their class. They weren't the the, the highest. They weren't at the top rank in their class. And, And so guess what? They had to go follow their daddy. They had to go do their daddy's work. And they became fishermen just like their fathers were. They were not the best. You see, Jesus, he doesn't go to seek out the best. If he were going to go seek out the best, he would have went to the temple in Jerusalem. He he would have sought out the the great rabbis, the the Pharisees, and the Sadducees, and all the the high priests, those who were studied in the law. But he didn't go seek the best. He goes and seeks the willing. I love this. John MacArthur says, God skipped all the wise of the day. The great scholars were in Egypt. The great library was in Alexandria. The great philosophers were in Athens. The the powerful were in Rome. He passed over Herodos, uh, the historian, and Socrates, the great thinker, and Julius Caesar. He chose men so ordinary, it was comical. No rabbis, no teachers, no religious experts. No, he chose just plain Jane, ordinary men to go out and radically change the world through the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, Jesus doesn't, he doesn't choose the best. He chooses those who are willing. Those who are willing to follow Him and become His disciples. That's the way of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27-29, through 29, Paul says this, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Dear Christian, Jesus didn't choose you because you were the best. He didn't choose you because you were the highest in, in, in your class. He chose you because you're willing. You're willing to follow after him. Jesus chooses the willing. You don't have to be the best. You don't have to be the brightest. You don't have to be the, most, the best well-spoken You don't have to be elegant with your words. You you don't need any of that. You don't need to be the best talented, the most talented. Jesus takes the, the least, and through the least of us, he shows his power. He shows his power and his might. Think about Paul. Paul had that old thorn in the flesh, right? Paul was an educated man. He was an educated man. He was highly educated in the law and all of those things. And Jesus had to bring him to his knees to be able to use him. And Paul says, I had a thorn in my flesh. We don't know what that thorn was. Who cares what the thorn was? But Paul thought it was a, a, a hindrance to his ministry. And so he pleaded with God over and over and over again, Lord, take this this thorn from me. Take this thorn from me. Take this thorn from me. And you know what the Lord said? My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made more visible through your weakness. You don't have to be the best. In fact, God doesn't want your best. He wants you at your weakest to use you to glorify his name. Disciples of Christ are not the best, but they are the willing. They're the willing. Are you willing, dear Christian? Are you willing to be used by God to make a radical difference in your friends and your neighbors' lives? Disciples are chosen. Disciples are willing. Third, disciples are are called primarily to be with Jesus. Disciples are called primarily to be with Jesus. That's our first calling, in other words. Our first calling uh, as disciples of Jesus Christ is to be with Jesus. Jesus came to, to these disciples, these four men, and He says, what? Follow Me. Follow Me. Come be with Me. Live with me, dine with me, learn from me, be with me, come follow me. Our first call from Jesus is a call to be in a relationship with Him. To be in a relationship with Him. He wants to to know us. He he knows us, right? He knows our every thought. He knows our every deed. He, He knows us, but He wants us to know Him. He wants us to come to learn from him, to get to know him, to be in a relationship with him. And and this is what he did in order to allow us to to, to be able to come into a relationship with him. He went to Calvary's cross. Right? You see, because we were separated from God. We couldn't be in a relationship with God because of our sin and our rebellion. And so here's how Jesus loved us. He went to Calvary's cross to die for us to cover our sins so that we could receive forgiveness for our sins so that we could be in a relationship with Him. Wow! How amazing, as Tommy sang earlier, how amazing is His love. He died for us so that we could be in a relationship with Him he wants us to be in a relationship with him he wants us to be with him and so the first step of being with christ of being in a relationship with christ of course is to to trust in him dear friend if you're here today and you're not a disciple of jesus christ the first step is to turn to christ to believe in him to trust in him To trust that He died for your sins. To trust that He was resurrected again from the dead. To trust that He is ruling and reigning from His throne in heaven. Trust in Jesus. Surrender your life to Him and He will draw you into that relationship with Him. He will receive you. If you'll receive His gift. Trust in Jesus. The next step that as we we enter into this relationship with Jesus is to get to know him. And the way we grow to know Jesus, right, we can't walk with him and talk with him like the four disciples here did, like the twelve did. But how do we learn from Jesus? How do we sit at Jesus' feet and learn from him? Right here. We take up the Bible, we study God's Word we study god's word this is how we sit at the feet of jesus we open his word we read his word we allow his word to have an impact upon our lives. you want to know jesus open your bibles you know how often do i hear people christians right People who claim to be Christians who never open their Bibles. They open it maybe on Sunday when they come to church, but otherwise they never open their Bibles. Well, you're not sitting at the feet of Jesus if you never open your Bible Monday through Saturday. You're not sitting at the feet of Jesus. You're not knowing Him. You're not really in a relationship with Him because relationship takes two-way communication and that means you're you're talking to, to Christ through prayer but you're also listening to Christ by reading His Word. Oh, dear friend, Jesus wants you to be with Him. He wants you to be with Him. So open His Word. Study His Word. Sit at His feet. And allow Him to change you and transform you through the working of the Holy Spirit in you and through His Word. Disciples are called first, primarily, to be with Jesus. Be with Him. So, disciples are chosen, they're willing, they're with Jesus. And fourth, disciples must forsake all to follow Jesus. Disciples must forsake all to follow Jesus. Now think about this. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they're fishermen. That in the first century was a lucrative career. That was a lucrative career. They were making good money as fishermen. I mean, they're providing essential to life for all of the people around them. Uh, that they, they had a good career going. They had a good thing going. That was a, a sought-after career, and it was established, right? They're coming in. This is the family-owned business, so their business is established. They're, they have a, a, a good living there with their fathers in the fishing business. And Jesus says, come, follow me. And they leave their family. They leave their boats. They leave the nets. And they follow after Jesus. You see, disciples must forsake all to follow Christ. That's how discipleship begins, isn't it? To become a follower of Jesus Christ, you must first first forsake your way of life, your way of living. That's what we call repentance, isn't it? Repentance. For you were dead in your trespasses and sins, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience. You were going this way. You were you living in sin, chasing after sin, loving sin, loving the ways of this world but you repented you turn away from that lifestyle and you turn to jesus you trust in jesus i'm going to follow jesus i'm going to do life his way i'm going to trust in his way of doing things i'm going to live for him you see we have to forsake that old lifestyle let me tell you friend I don't care what, where you prayed a prayer. I don't care if it was in a, the greatest revival of Morehouse Parish or, or where it was. I don't care if you, it was under Billy Graham. I don't care what you did and who you, what you said. If you never have turned away from that old lifestyle, right? If you're still following the ways of this world, if you're still following the prince of the power there, if you're still following Satan's ways, you are not a disciple of Jesus Christ, period period. You can't be. You can't remain in that lifestyle and have the Spirit of God living in you. You must turn around from that. You must turn away from that. And you must follow Jesus. That's what it's all about you're still living in those old patterns of life, if you've not forsaken those old ways of life, if you still love your sin, you're not a follower of Jesus Christ. And instead of pursuing Jesus, you're pursuing hell. Turn away from that way of life and turn to Jesus. A disciple must forsake their way of life the disciples forsake their rights even first corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 through 20 or do you not know that your body is a temple of the holy spirit within you whom you have from god you are not your own let me say that again you are not your own for you were bought with a price the precious price of the blood of jesus So glorify God in your body. Oh, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you've got to forsake your rights, rights to your own self, right? You you don't have a right to, to chase after your own wants and desires. You follow Jesus. You do everything to glorify and honor Christ. We have to exalt Him above everything else. A disciple forsakes his or her rights. Furthermore, a disciple at times has to forsake family and friends to follow Jesus. Just like Peter and Andrew, James and John, they left their father's business, they left their their families, and they did all to pursue, left all to pursue Jesus and to follow after him. Matthew chapter 10 verse 37 through 39 tells it says it like this whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me whoever finds his life will lose it and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it what is it that you love more than jesus who is it that you love more than jesus if you're a follower of jesus christ if you're a disciple of jesus christ jesus must come first jesus comes second to no one Even if you love yourself more than Jesus, Jesus, Jesus doesn't take a, a back seat to anyone. Jesus must come first. And sometimes that means we've got to forsake family and friends. We've got to end old relationships. We've got to walk away from old relationships. You know, there was a time in my life where I was trying to, to live for Christ. You know, I was a young in my walk but i had these friends these childhood friends these 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 friends from high school that that man I, I loved hanging around with them we had a great time but their influence on my life was not honoring to god when i was around them i did not honor god and glorify god and so ultimately i had to make a decision am i going to follow christ or am i going to hang out with my friends I had to end some relationships to live for Christ. Maybe there's somebody in your life. Maybe it's an old classmate, maybe it's a, a longtime friend. Maybe it's even a family friend, a family member. Maybe it's even mom or dad, brother or sister. And instead of bringing out the best of you, they bring out the worst in you. When you're around them, instead of honoring and glorifying God, you sin. Honor and glorify yourself. Honor and glorify the things of this world. Maybe it's time to turn from them. To forsake that relationship. To follow Jesus. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, Jesus must be first. Who or what in your life Who or what Right? Who or what in your life Is causing Jesus to take the back seat You've got to forsake all To follow Jesus A disciple of Christ Must forsake all to follow Jesus Christ must come before anyone or anything else. Disciples are chosen. Disciples are willing. Disciples are with Jesus. And disciples forsake all for Jesus. Fifth, disciples must spiritually reproduce. Disciples must, notice that, disciples must spiritually reproduce. Notice the command there, right? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you... uh, There's there's not an option there, is it? He doesn't say, follow me, and I might make you fishers of men. He doesn't say, follow me, and maybe you'll become fishers of men. No, he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. Just think about Jesus Himself. Right? To be a disciple of Jesus is to become like Jesus. That's the end goal. We sit at Jesus' feet. We learn from Jesus. We know Jesus. We know Him inside and out. We know Him. And the whole goal, right? the end game, is to become like Jesus. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Therefore, if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you're going to be like Christ, if you're going to emulate Christ, you must seek to save that which is lost. You must be a fisher of men. You must seek disciples. Not to follow you, not to emulate you, but to bring them to the feet of Jesus and say, here, learn from Him. Learn from Christ. We must spiritually reproduce if we are followers of Jesus Christ. It is the absolute command of the church. Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through twenty. And Jesus came, said to them, "All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples. Make disciples." That's the command. We can't escape that. We are to make disciples by going about our lives, by baptizing them, by teaching them, all about Jesus. Church, we've got to make disciples. It's imperative that we make disciples. If we're not making disciples, We're not disciples. We're not acting like disciples. We're not following Jesus. We're not obeying His will and His Word. We must make disciples. Disciples must spiritually reproduce. It's not an option. It is a command. Every disciple is called to make disciples by sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with the lost. Dear friend, you must reproduce. You must spiritually reproduce. And it's easy as just telling people about Jesus. Don't overcomplicate this thing. Don't worry about this method, that method, or that other method. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you know enough to tell people about Jesus. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. We have all rebelled against a holy God and deserve His punishment because of our sin. But God loved us. And He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to live and die on our behalf. He paid the penalty for our sin in our place. And to show that all of our sin had been paid for, Jesus was resurrected from the dead and He lives in glory. And He offers the free gift of salvation to anyone who will believe in Him and trust in Him and surrender their lives to Him. Therefore, repent and believe in Jesus. Right? It's that simple. Everyone in here knows that because you've experienced it in your own life if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Just tell it to others. Just tell it to others, right? You're not not the one who's supposed to win them to Christ. You're just to tell them the gospel. Speak the words. Jesus is the one who does all the work, right? The Holy Spirit does all the work. He just wants you to speak the words. Be faithful to speak the words. A disciple of Jesus Christ... Follows Jesus and makes disciples. Makes more disciples. Therefore, church, go fish! Go fish! Go make disciples for Christ. Be fishers of men and women. Be fishers of your neighbors. Be fishers of your family men. Tell them about Jesus. So that they might be saved from hell. And enter into a relationship with a savior who loved them enough to die for them. Go fish. Go fish. So we're starting this who's your one. Who's your one? You don't have to go fish for a hundred. You don't have to go fish for ten. You don't have to go fish for even five. Just start out with one. Just one person at a time. And So on the back of your note card there, there's a commitment card, and that's yours. I, don't, I, don't, I want you to take that commitment card. And hopefully you've been praying about this already. If not, take time this week to pray about who is your one. Who is the one person that God has put in your life who needs to know Jesus? Who is that one? And write their name in there. And you notice it says, I commit to pray for. That's where it starts. Pray for that one Serve my one and seek opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ with my one. That is your commitment. Now who's your one? Put their name there. Sign it. And use that as a daily reminder to pray for that person. And to seek those opportunities wherever they may come. Make a commitment for just one. Just one. To bring to Christ. Now if you're not in a relationship with Christ. There's a reason that you're here. Right? If you're not in a relationship with Christ. There's a reason that Christ drew you here today whether it's here in person or whether it's watching the live stream or or listening on the podcast, wherever it may be, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, there's a reason that God drew you to this point today. Perhaps it's because He's choosing you. He's calling you. Come follow Me and I will make you a fisher of men. Perhaps He's calling you today. The offer is this. Trust in Jesus. That He died on the cross for your sins. That He was raised again. Trust in Christ. Surrender your life to Him and He will save you. He wants to be with you. Enter into that relationship. Get to know Him. And then He will make even you a fisher of men. Heavenly Father, we thank You. Thank You, Lord, for Your call upon our lives as Christians, as disciples of Jesus. Thank You for choosing us, for dying for us, for calling us to be Your own, for making us fishers of men. Oh, Lord, let us be obedient in that. Oh, let us see the joy in that. Help us, Lord, to go fish, to draw people to know You, to see You, to enter into a relationship with You. And Lord, if there's any today, have never trusted in Christ they're not disciples I pray O oh Lord that you would pierce their hearts today let them see Jesus let them draw near to Jesus trust in him and become a disciple of Christ even in this moment these things I pray in Christ's name amen